Hello everybody and welcome back to Straight Outta Cloyd 2.0 with me, your host, of course, Joseph Dylan Turl. Apologies for no Friday episode, uh, I will go on to explain that further um, as this episode goes on. But there is something I did want to just quickly kind of mention about this show. Something I am going to try and do, at least for the most part, um, going forward. I feel like that with this show, sometimes there's news that I want to talk about that... By the time I, you know, Friday comes around, which is the day this episode, or excuse me, this podcast is normally uploaded, uh, or episodes of this podcast is normally uploaded, sometimes that news can be a little bit out of date. And I feel like taking a page out of one of my favourite podcast books, which is the Believe You Me podcast, and I might start uploading uh, two episodes per week, one on Monday and one on Friday. Now, I can't sit here and promise that that's going to happen every single week, but I am going to try and do it as much as possible. So it's something that I've actually been talking about with a couple of the, you know, long-term listeners of this show that uh, have, you know, it's something I've been thinking about for a while. And I have done it from time to time where I've done an episode on a Monday and a Friday. I think if, you know, if anyone remembers the Jotar Rising, the old podcast I used to do, I did, there was a time period where I did Monday, Wednesday and Friday, which, to be honest, was probably a bit too much. That was probably a little bit, uh... For a one-man show, that was probably asking for too much, but I think two episodes per week, if I can at least do it even 90% of the time, I'd be very happy with that. I think it you know, allows me to open up more opportunities to get interviews on here as well. Um, I've, I've been wanting to do that uh, a lot recently. I've just Again, just trying to find the time has been the main issue, but we will get around to that. But uh, just that I'd mention that you know, for, from the get-go, that Monday episodes might be coming a more regular thing because uh, I feel like... It's a great way to leave this podcast grow and to try and give people more content to listen to because I'm sure that's what you're all clamoring for is to hear me talk nonsense more and more. Anyways, in all seriousness though, I do think it's something that could be worth trying and uh, yeah, we'll give it a go and we'll see what happens. Anyways, uh, I am off of a fantastic trip to Dublin. Uh, that is why there was no episode on Friday. So I brought my uh, siblings, Karis and Sean, to their first ever live WWE show and... What a fantastic day out it was. Me, Karis, and Sean have been talking about this for years. So everyone knows I'm a lifelong wrestling fan, pro wrestling referee. Listen, you all know the crack at this stage. But uh, Karis and Sean, my two younger siblings. So Karis, who has just turned 12, and Sean, who is uh, months away from turning 10. They have been getting very, very big into WWE in the last three or four years. I think, you know, they were actually asking me on uh, Thursday when we were up there. Kind of similar to me, they can't really remember when they started taking an interest in it. But I do remember around the time they started taking an interest in it. And I did. It was around 2018, 2017, 2018 is when they really first started paying attention to to wrestling, and you know they started kind of, you know, taking a bit a bit of an interest in it. But it was 2020 really was when I feel like they got properly into it. And since then, like we've been talking about bringing them to a show for fucking. God knows how long. Pretty much, you know, as I said, three or four years. And finally, WWE announced back in December that they were bringing a house show back to Dublin. Because I was getting to a stage where I was kind of wondering, Jesus, are they ever going to come back to Dublin? Obviously, they'd announced Belfast a few months before. They were going to be in the UK, France. Obviously, they were in Wales last year for Clash of the Castle, which I was at. But I was really kind of starting to wonder, like, Jesus, like, are they ever going to come back to Dublin? And finally, just before Christmas, they'd announced that... They were going to be returning to the Three Arena, an arena I have literally grown up watching wrestling shows in, and Keris and Sean got to experience it. And it was funny because I have never seen queues like it. I have never seen queues that long for any event I've ever been to, especially at the Three Arena. 
the queue was absolutely astronomical for all the entrances. Because I think, what, there's three or four entrances at the three arena? But the queues were, like, wrapping right around the building. It was absolutely insane. But Keris and Sean, like, to see the absolute just shock on their face when they entered the three arena, when they saw the WWE ring in front of them for the first time and they could see the stage. And there was a really cool moment where I had tweeted a picture earlier that morning uh, of me, Keris and Sean, holding our three uh, WWE title replica belts. I didn't bring mine to the show because I know a few people asked me that. Did I actually bring the undisputed title to the show? No, I didn't. So... Cam, cam your tits. I, the amount of times I got called a mark over that. It was purely for the picture. Keris and Sean obviously brought their belts. I did not bring mine. But I suppose I am a mark for paying the money I paid for that belt. Which I will not disclose. But it was a hefty amount. Which funnily enough I also bought around Christmas time. But anyways. Um, the, uh, the the joy and like shock on their face. Seeing th- the, um, the, the, you know, the ring and, and the stage in front of them for the first time was incredible. But as I said I tweeted a picture earlier that day. Of the three of us with the belts. And WWE actually put that picture on the screen. Because any tweet with the hashtag WWE Dublin. They actually put up on the screen. So for Karis and Sean's first show to be you know, in the three arena. Where I've grown up watching shows as I say. And to see themselves on the big screen. The Titantron. That was something I just couldn't have. Uh, I, I could never have. That, that was beyond my wildest dreams. And I think beyond their wildest dreams. So a brilliant day out. Uh, bumped into Phil Boyd and Kaylee Harvey after the show as well. Which was pretty cool. Uh, like to dwell into the show itself. I mean Seamus kicked off the show. What a reception. What a reception. His first time wrestling in Dublin. I think since 2016. So it's been a long time since he's had that hometown reaction. He said it in his promo after his match. That like. You know, he, he's seen so many people wrestle in their hometown since, and he was always quite jealous of the of the reaction. Now, to be fair, Clash the Castle, he got a fucking hell of a fucking pop. I mean, I was there in person. Me and Alex, of course, being from Ireland, we lost our minds when we saw him, so we gave him a big reception. But um he he you know, he got a hell of a pop at that show. But this was his first hometown pop since twenty sixteen, and it was absolutely incredible, considering, you know, the kind of career resurgence Seamus has had in the last few years. And I think people have finally started realizing like how great he's been. And you know, he's been around now since you know tw- uh, two thousand nine on the main roster, so like he, he he's he's a veteran now, Seamus. He, he's he's a complete veteran of, of the business. But for him to get that reception was incredible. And then to have uh, Lyra Valakiri, to have her Irish WWE debut immediately after this. I don't think I've ever had a more surreal moment at a show because she was actually at the last Phoenix show. She didn't wrestle on the show, but she had already been signed by WWE at that stage. I think she was actually still in NXT UK. Yeah, she was. This was just before she moved over to Florida. And she had actually been at that last Phoenix show. And I remember like seeing her there and being like, like this is mad. Like this is an Irish independent show. And here we have, you know, Scotty Two Hotties on this show. And then we have, you know, uh, Lyra Valakiri here, who's obviously, you know, signed to WWE, um, you know, NXT UK. And obviously just, just, you know, months later, or even weeks later, I think, there she was over in America. And now here I am seeing her at the Three Arena. Like, it, like it's just, cr- like, to think of, like, how far Irish wrestling has come. Like, I always talk about, like, how proud I am to have been a part of it and, like, you know, especially now as the, you know, the, the full-time official for Rebel County Wrestling and obviously refereeing the shows I did for Phoenix. Like, it's just mental for me to think that, you know, I've been a part of what has been such... And it, you know, it's such a young scene. Like, the Irish wrestling scene, the Republic of Ireland wrestling scene, is such a young, young thing. 
Like, I mean, Fergal Devitt and Paul Tracy obviously went over to NWA UK Hammerlock and brought the first school over to Bray in uh, the early 2000s. And the amount of talent they've produced, like Fergal Devitt, a.k.a. Finn Balor, like, he's gone on to have an incredible career himself. Paul Tracy has, you know, trained so many of the, the top wrestlers to go on and become what they've become, and you know, he's been such an important part of the scene. Then you have, obviously, people like, you know, J.D. McDonough, who's on Raw now, uh, Lyra Valakiri, who I just mentioned, you know, over in NXT and making her three-arena debut uh, on Thursday. You know, like, Becky Lynch, obviously, becoming the first w- woman to, to main event WrestleMania and to win the main event of WrestleMania and to become just a huge star. Like, it is absolutely insane to think about it. I mean, like, you know, people like LJ Cleary, who obviously became the RCW champion at the last show, someone who I've had the pleasure of refereeing, you know, many a match for at this stage. Like, he's he's destined for great things over in America. Like, that, that's just a matter of time in, in terms of, you know, when he's going to go over there. And obviously, you know, we'll, we'll miss him when he does go over there. But, like, that's, that's why everyone gets into this business is to go over to the States and make it big. You know, WWE obviously have had so many has has had such a great relationship with Irish wrestlers in the last few years, and I think LJ Cleary for me he's the next kind of obvious name to to go on and and, and uh, achieve similar things to to those names I just mentioned. But like, it, it it's just mad to think about it. Like uh, I think of you know growing up as a wrestling fan, and you know obviously I remember seeing Finley on WWE TV and like being like blown away that this guy from Belfast was you know appearing on, on SmackDown every week. Now the only I suppose the thing with Finley is. Whatever about him being from Northern Ireland, listen, I've got a lot of great friends from Northern Ireland. There's a lot of guys who travel down from Titanic Wrestling to wrestle for RCW, and and they're all fantastic. Like I don't think of them as any less Irish than someone from Cork or Dublin. But, uh, you know, Finlay, obviously, he wasn't a part of that Irish scene. Like, he he was very much trained in, like, mainland Europe. I know Germany was obviously something, or somewhere, I should say, that that he uh, trained an awful lot. So, as great as he is, Finlay, and I don't, like, consider him any less Irish than anyone else... I kind of relate to the other guys more because they either started the scene or were a big part of the scene. Uh, the, the Republic of Ireland wrestling scene, which, you know, I say Republic of Ireland, obviously Titanic wrestling is a big thing as well. Um, like, I think you get what I mean. Like, it's just mad to see how far this has come. And like, not just in pro wrestling, but just in combat sports in general. Like, obviously the Ultimate Fighter this, like this coming week, I know that there's um, an Irish fighter who's going to be fighting on that. And then... You just think of, like, how big SBG has gotten. And obviously, you know, I'm training out in T45 Jiu-Jitsu, which is growing, like, ridiculously fast, which is, like, you know, crazy. Like, I've been there now since January. And even since then, like, the amount of new faces you see every time you go in is is it's just phenomenal. Like, it's great to see that, you know, both pro wrestling and, you know, combat sports in general are so present and popular here in Ireland. Because there's always been a loyal fan base for these industries. I just think that for such a long time, we didn't have the resources or the facilities to actually, you know, pursue these things. But now we have it and then some. And we've got so many great coaches in charge as well. And it's just, just absolutely fantastic. And and yeah, like I'm, I'm getting kind of emotional now even talking about it. Um, But yeah, it's very, very, very cool to see. So fair play to, uh, to Lyra Valakiri and, you know, what a, what a way to make your debut. Uh, and hopefully many more, many more appearances in the three arena and in WWE uh, on WWE's main roster to come. Uh, the rest of the show was really cool too. Uh, for the first time ever, I got to see AJ Styles wrestle live and in person. That was something for me that I really, really was just delighted to, to have happen. Like AJ Styles is someone who I've been watching since 2006 when I first started watching TNA. And despite seeing him for that long, which is, you know, pretty much, you know, how many years is that now? 2006. So that's what, 17 years, which is crazy to think about. And I'd never seen him wrestle live. 
But finally, I, I can say that I've seen the phenomenal one in person. That was really cool. Obviously, the main event, seeing Sami Zayn wrestle live again. Everyone knows what a big Sami Zayn fan I am. I've told the story a bazillion times at this stage, but he is the man who made me fall back in love with wrestling back in 2014. You know, one of the main men, I should say, because obviously Finn Balor was a big part of that. You know, Adrian Neville, who's now Pac. Like, NXT in general was a big part of what made me fall back in love with wrestling back in late 2014. But Sami Zayn, I think in particular, he's like the one guy who... I've I've just like he has made my top five wrestlers of all time. That that's how much I love Sami Zayn. He is in my top five favorite pro wrestlers of all time. I've been lucky enough to speak to him. Like I've played that clip on here before. Go over to my YouTube channel and check that out if you haven't already. If you ever want to hear me sound like a complete fangirl and like just you know you want to hear like hear me sound like a complete mark. Go, go over and listen to that to that, uh, to that uh, little chat I have with Sami Zayn. But uh, that was one of the coolest moments ever. That was during COVID as well. And he was such a fucking nice guy. And that was you know, just such a such a great, you know, that was just such a great moment. And now to see him main eventing, you know, the first night of WrestleMania this year. And then seeing him in the main event in Dublin. Really, really cool experience. Um, yeah, just a great day. A, a great day from top to bottom. Now, I will say, and, and I have to say this a little bit. Um, being in Dublin always makes me so happy that I'm not living up there. Now, this is no offence to anyone from Dublin, right? Because a lot of people in Dublin might feel the same way about Cork. But I had a very, very... There was a very weird incident that we had that thankfully didn't ruin the day, but this just goes to show how, like, in big cities like Dublin, you really, really have to be careful. So we stayed at the Moxie Hotel, which I have to say, hotel, brilliant, can't complain about it. It's down as a three-star hotel when, really, I, w- I would go, I would say four-star. I think it was a, a four-star hotel. I think it's actually, a, I think it's a bit underrated. But that's where um, me, so my, it was me, my mother, and my two siblings. That's where we stayed. We got two separate rooms. Um, That's kind of unrelated to the story, but whatever. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we went out and about in Dublin. So we, we arrived in Dublin, got the train from Cork up to Dublin, then got something to eat. Then we uh, went back, checked into the hotel, did got all our shit together and went out and explored Dublin a little bit. And then when we were walking back, it was me and my sister were a little bit ahead of my my mother and my brother. And I can hear a man's voice behind me. And I can hear my brother responding. And I turn around and there's this grown-ass man asking my brother questions about sports. And I just said, Sean, come here for a second. And Sean came over and my mother, who looked deeply uncomfortable as well, walked over I didn't even say anything to the guy. I just stared at him. Now, I'm not the big... I'm not this big, intimidating fucking badass. But, like... I am a man with two young siblings who doesn't like strangers coming over talking to them in a city that they're not... This is their first ever time in Dublin. I'm staring at your man who kind of froze a bit because I don't think... I don't think he thought I was with uh, my mother and my brother. Because, we, as I said, we were walking a little bit ahead of them. So I think he just thought, oh, here's this woman with her son and I think it was my mother he first started talking to which you know I think you can work out for yourself what he was trying there and then he started talking to my brother and I asked Sean like what did he say so first he said hi to my mother and then he said to Sean do you like sports and Sean said yeah and he said well what sports do you like and Sean like my brother is shy at the best of times with people he doesn't know. So imagine how he feels with this random man coming over asking him these questions. Now, I didn't see this part, but if I had, all hell would have fucking broke loose. He put his hand on my brother's arm and said, would you like me to teach you sports? 
And Sean and my mom kind of froze. That's when I turned around and I could see what was happening. If I had seen that, I'm not, as I said, I'm not trying to sound like this big tough guy. I would have knocked that motherfucker out. Like, how fucking creepy can you be? How creepy can you be? To go up to this random woman and child and then start saying, what do you want me to teach you sports? Like, fuck, like, I'm going to use the word, like, fuck off you pedo. Like, get the fuck out. And now, before I continue this, this is not me saying that all people in Dublin are like that. They are definitely not. <laughs> I know a lot of great people from Dublin and literally everybody else who we bumped into there was fine. You know, we didn't like, you know, obviously I know Phil and Katie, but like, um, you know, anyone else, any other people who I didn't know in Dublin who we pa- went past, they were all fine. Like there was people at the show, like who we were sitting near, who, you know, were having the, the, the chats or whatever. They were all lovely people, but there are some fucking weird characters up in Dublin. Cork is not perfect, by the way. Let me just get that very clear. Cork is far from perfect, but Cork as a city is a lot smaller than Dublin. So, you know, I, I think with Cork, like, there's certain areas that I kind of know where to avoid. Dublin, I feel like, even within the fucking city itself, like the inner city and, the, like, the city centre, there's a lot of fucking weirdos that you bump into. And I always say it about Dublin, like, I love going up there for events. I think there's a great buzz there when you're looking forward to something. But as soon as that event is over, get me out the gap. Just get me out the gap. And, uh, I mean, I've been to Dublin this year probably more than I've ever been in my life. I think that was my fifth trip up there already this year. And I'm obviously planning on going there again in August for, uh, for Man United's friendly against uh, Bilbao, which uh, should be good too. But I, I, you could not pay me enough, I think, to live there. I think if I ever had to work or do anything in Dublin that would require me to be there a lot, I would, li- I would have to live in one of the neighbouring counties, like Wicklow or Kildare or, you know, fucking Louth, somewhere like that. I don't think you could pay me enough to live within Dublin itself. Anyways, we still had a great time, great day. Listen, that guy obviously has a lot of issues. Um, I don't think approaching, you know, random women and children is going to solve those issues. But, you know, here we are. Just uh, watch yourselves when you're out in a city that you don't really know. And uh, just goes to show you have to be very streetwise when you're with these people. Uh, or, sorry, when you're in these cities because you never know who might approach you. But, of course, the wrestling didn't stop there. Saturday then we had uh, Money in the Bank in London. Obviously we had Smackdown on Friday as well. But uh, Money in the Bank, what a show. What a show. John Cena, I have to talk about this first. John Cena surprising everyone by making an appearance at Money in the Bank, teasing WrestleMania in London. And here's the thing, right? I was at Clash of the Castle last year. It was the best, one, one of the best experiences of my life. Probably my favorite experience when it comes to going to a wrestling show outside of Ireland. Like, I think my top two wrestling shows now are Clash of the Castle and Last Thursday because I got to bring my siblings to a wrestling show. Those are my top two uh, wrestling experiences as a fan. But, like, Money in the Bank, like, the crowd was just on fire, you know? Like, so me and my siblings also watched, uh, we watched a little bit of Night of Champions. We didn't watch it live, we watched it afterwards because we were out that day. Uh, because Money in the Bank was actually the first time we got to watch a pay-per-view live together. But... We were uh, watching Night of Champions, and I said, I think the crowd ruined that show. So Night of Champions was out in Saudi Arabia, and the crowd didn't really seem that into the show up until like the last two matches, which was your know, Brock and Cody, and then Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens against uh, Roman Reigns and uh, Solo Sokoa. So like, 
they were the like you know the two main matches that the crowd got into. But like Money in the Bank, very similar to Backlash in Puerto Rico, the crowd was just on another level. And for me, you know, they've they've done Clash of the Castle, which was the first major UK pay-per-view they'd done in 30 years. Now Money in the Bank, the first London pay-per-view they'd done in over two decades. The next natural step for me, as John Cena said, is WrestleMania. WrestleMania in London. Like, I'm going to WrestleMania next year in Philadelphia. Can't bloody wait for it. But bloody hell, I'd love to go to it two years in a row and have WrestleMania 41 in London at Wembley Stadium. Because like, here's the thing as well, right? AEW are doing a show in Wembley uh, in August. And I remember when they announced it, I, when I first heard Wembley, I thought, oh, Wembley Arena. Which, like, fair play, like, that's a cool arena to be doing it in. Obviously, NXT TakeOver London was there in 2015. Brilliant show as well. But I heard that after you know, they announced this, I was like, oh, no, shit. This is in Wembley Stadium. Fair play to them. Look, like, you know, it's a big step for them. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a great show. I know a few people who are going over to it. But I was just there like, I have no great desire to go over to this. Like, I really don't. Then I hear about WrestleMania in London, which I would imagine would be at Wembley. And I'm like, get me on the first flight over there. Like... no disrespect to AEW I just think that when WWE do something it's so much more special like I watched Forbidden Door a couple of weeks ago and I have to say fantastic like I think I think I spoke about it on here when AEW and New Japan work together the wrestling is brilliant like that show from top to bottom is brilliant the Canadian crowd listen I have a lot of connections to Canada so like you know I might be a bit biased as well but the Canadian crowds are absolutely fantastic like I enjoyed I thoroughly enjoyed that show but for me, there is nothing like going to a WWE show, especially a pay-per-view and like WrestleMania. I've never been to one, but obviously I'll be going next year. And like, I know a lot of people who went this year. There's just something special about WrestleMania that for me, no other promotion can 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 ever touch. Like Wrestle Kingdom is great. Forbidden Door is great. Like, you know, all in and all out. Like those things are very, very cool. And, and you know, fair play to them. Like a uh, final battle that Ring of Honor used to do was brilliant. Bound for Glory for TNA. Slammiversary as well. There's some fantastic wrestling shows out there. But nothing for me will ever come close to, to WrestleMania. Or even SummerSlam. Or the Royal Rumble. Or Survivor Series. Or even Money in the Bank. Or, or a one-off show like Clash at the Castle. Like nothing for me will compare to these shows. It just won't. So... Hopefully, WrestleMania can come to London in the next few years. I think it's long overdue. And I think that Clash, if Clash in the Castle and Money in the Bank have proven anything, it's that the UK crowd will be absolutely fucking on fire. And it won't just be UK. Obviously, people will be traveling over from here as well. You'll have people traveling over from North America too. People from mainland Europe. Like, it's going to be... Like, WrestleMania crowds are great all the time. But I think a UK WrestleMania crowd, even sweeter. Even sweeter. Obviously, the two big, uh, the three big taking points from Money in the Bank were the fact that uh, obviously Damien Priest won the men's Money in the Bank, EO Sky the women's Money in the Bank, and Roman Reigns for the first time in three years eating a pin as the Usos defeated uh, the aforementioned Tribal Chief and Solo Sokoa. So let's uh, talk about those things a little bit because why not? So when it comes to Damien Priest winning Money in the Bank, a lot of people were disappointed because they wanted LA Knight. To win Money in the Bank. Here's my take on it. I like LA Knight. Unbelievable promo. Carries himself like a star. Very good in the ring. Connects with the crowd. I can understand why people thought. This just makes sense. 
LA Knight, you know, he, he's one of the top guys in there at the moment in terms of crowd reaction. You may as well strap the rocket to him, give him money in the bank and just, you know, go from there. What I will say about that is, uh, you know, in, in response to that is I think LA Knight, regardless of winning that match or not, was going to be over. Like that was that for me, that's not even a question. It's kind of like Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. I think regardless of that result, everyone still loves Cody. And if anything, he's gotten more over since. Damian Priest has obviously been part of the Judgment Day now since uh, WrestleMania last year. And like, you know, he's really become a huge star himself. He's obviously got this kind of thing going on with Finn Balor now where they're kind of teasing a bit of dissent in the Judgment Day. Finn obviously wrestles Seth Rollins for the for the World Heavyweight title. And there's, you know, obviously Damian Priest had a little bit of an involvement with that match. So there, there's, a, there's a growing story there that's been growing for a while. I think when it comes to long-term storytelling and building a star like Damien Priest, he needed that win more than LA Knight did. Because I think LA Knight is over whether he's a fucking Money in the Bank, uh, whether he holds that Money in the Bank or whether he just comes out and says, yeah, like he is over regardless. Damien Priest, a lot of people like him. I think he needed it more. I think the story he's involved uh, in as well with Finn Balor, I think that needed it a bit more. I think I think it helps that story a lot more than than LA Knight. I LA Knight was in Dublin on on Thursday. I could not get over the reception he got. I could not get over the pop that he got. And the match he was in was with AJ Styles, who I mentioned earlier, and Austin Theory for the US title. I think a US title run with LA Knight is where they need to go next. And I think it makes sense. You know, Austin Theory. A lot of people are not exactly his biggest fan, but I still think he's a very good talent and a great heel. But I think a great way to take that title off him without really taking anything away from him is to put that title onto LA Knight and give him a run with the US title. And of course, eventually then you can revisit the, you know, a World Heavyweight title run or, or you know, give him a WWE title match at some stage down the line. But for me, I didn't have a problem with Damian Priest winning. I thought it made sense. Uh, I think a lot of people are just relieved that Logan Paul didn't win it, but even then, I would have kind of, I would have understood it, and I would have been interested to see where that uh, would have gone. I think actually, marketing and promoting wise, it would have done a lot. But I, I, I think Damian Priest was was the right choice. I really, really do. And uh, if you're disappointed about it, you're supposed to be. Damian Priest is the bloody heel, <laughs> you know. Like that, that's the whole point. And sometimes in wrestling, you know, you need to be disappointed. Like that was the thing about the the WrestleMania main event this year was when Roman Reigns beat Cody Rhodes. I remember feeling disappointed, but it was a different type of disappointment. It wasn't like, oh, I'm angry at WWE and like, this is fucking, this is a joke and oh, you buried Cody Rhodes. Like if I was, you know, 13 years old, that's probably what I would have thought or 15 years old. But now as a 25 year old man who's been watching wrestling for, you know, my whole, I've been watching it my whole life and I've been involved in the business. I remember like taking a step back afterwards and thinking, you know, wrestling at the end of the day is portraying a combat sport. And in you know shoot combat sports there's going to be disappointments and there's going to be times where your favorites don't win in matches that you hope they do or fights that you hope they do and that you want them to and you feel like this is where they need to win this title so i felt like it's i I thought it was good wwe could make me feel that they could make me feel a little bit like oh shit like you know cody didn't win and we're all a little bit deflated like you know, people, it's you can't please all the people all the time because a lot of fans were saying that oh, like you know, it, you know, WWE storytelling is too obvious and you know it's very obvious when someone's about to win and blah blah blah. And then they pulled off like that at WrestleMania where Cody didn't win the title and everyone was a bit like, oh shit, like didn't see that coming. Very similar to what happened at Money in the Bank, which is what I'll get onto in a little bit. But yeah, Damian Priest for me, uh, you know, 
definitely the right choice to win the, the men's match. And I'm looking forward to seeing where the storyline goes with Finn Balor. And I would like to see Damian Priest with the title run down the line. I think that uh, I I think he's built he's building his star really well. I think they've really you know he feels like a big deal. I think he's got a great look, great move set. He's very unique in terms of how he carries himself as well. I would be all for a uh, world heavyweight championship reign uh, for Damian Priest. When it comes to the women's money in the bank, best women's money in the bank match they've ever done. Honestly, there's not really a lot I can say that hasn't already been said. EO Sky winning it, I think, was uh, fully deserved. You know, Becky probably didn't really need the win. I don't think Bailey needed it either. I think EO Sky, like, she's really coming to her own as part of Damage Control, which, you know, they're a faction that have had their, uh, you know, criticisms over the over the, the, the last year or so since they've uh, since they formed. But I think that EO Sky is definitely someone who, uh, again, I feel like needed that a bit more. I think she 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 is definitely the one who benefits from that Money in the Bank win more than anyone else does. So delighted for her. Uh, you know, love watching. Uh, I think the, the the Japanese wrestling when it comes to women's wrestling, I think has been on such a great level for such a long time. So it's great to see. You know, Asuka obviously is holding uh, 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 the the title on SmackDown, and now to have Sky as a potential number one contender, I think that's very exciting. Now let's get on to the main kind of topic of conversation, apart from John Cena. Uh, you know, teasing WrestleMania London. Roman Reigns eating a pin for the first time since December 15th, 2019 to good old Bazaar Corpse himself, Baron Corbin. So I've seen a mixed reaction to this. I've seen a mixed reaction to uh, this shock result. Because I was I was like, okay, if the USOs win this, Solo Sokoa is eating the pin. But my take on this is... It's very similar to what I said about when Roman beat Cody at WrestleMania. It's WWE need to give you these shock results. Because, as I said, it's portraying a combat sport. And in combat sports, like, who would, like, Leon Edwards beating Kamara Usman last year to win the, the welterweight title. Nobody saw that coming, especially with the way that fight went. You need stuff like that to happen in wrestling too. I think sometimes you can take the piss with that type of booking. But for me with this, I thought it made sense. The crowd, especially the UK crowd, I think they appreciate a finish like that much more than a lot of other audiences would. I think there's specific audiences in North America that would. Um, Saudi Arabia, with the Usos, I'm not really too sure. Maybe if it was Sami Zayn, I think it would have gone over. But when it comes to the the results that, that happened on Saturday, I do believe that the Usos pinning Roman Reigns... J or excuse me, um, uh, yeah, Jey Uso getting the pin. I think makes. I, I thought it made the most sense with the way they've been building that story. And uh, you know, the bloodline has been absolute cinema. I will say, and this might sound like recency bias, but I've really, really thought about this. And this is not this is not a knee jerk reaction statement. This is me thinking back about storylines all throughout the years and thinking about like how much they meant to me, how much I enjoyed them, and comparing the bloodline storyline with it. I think the Bloodline storyline has been my favourite storyline I've ever experienced in professional wrestling. Strong statement, I know. And I know that people will say, as I said earlier, that it's recency bias. I think in 5-10 years time, we'll all look back on this this uh, feud and this story and think, we did not realise what we had. Because I see a lot of people as well say that you know it's, it's run its course, like it's gone on too long, like can we just end it? Look at those crowd reactions. Look at the... The pops that you know Roman is getting, the Usos are getting, that Solo is getting. Like Solo was so over at the house show in Dublin. 
and tell me that people are getting tired of it. If you're getting tired of it yourself as an individual, that's completely fair. And like, as I said earlier, you're not going to please all of the people all of the time. But with that said, I do think that this feud, excuse me, this story will go down. I think that if WWE started inducting storylines into the Hall of Fame, the same way like UFC put fights into the Hall of Fame, this would be definitely one of, one of the first ones I would think of. In terms of storylines. Not just matches, but storylines. I think you know, Rock Austin obviously be there, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, John Cena, CM Punk, you know, John Cena, Rock, Hogan, Andre. Th- those obviously all come in there as well. I think the, the Hardys, Edge and Christian and the Dudleys, those are all up there as well. Those should probably go in first. But in terms of recent, like in, in recent storylines, the bloodline for me, 21st century, I would say my favorite storyline I've ever experienced. And I'm really, really looking forward to tuning into Raw and SmackDown this week, which is the feeling you should have after watching a pay-per-view to see where they're going to take it next. And I think the WWE in the last few years have, has been the best it's been in such a long time. And that is where I'm going to wrap up this episode. Well, this has been great. I feel like I haven't had an episode where I've just spoke about purely wrestling for the most part uh, in such a long time. And I'm really, really, really after enjoying it. Um, Yeah, thank you all so much for listening. I will be back again this Friday, uh, maybe with a guest on. Who knows? Maybe Alex can jump on here again and we can have uh, a conversation about some of the things going on in the wider world of the planet Earth. But anyways, uh, really, really enjoyed this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. And please enjoy this classic wrestling promo. And I'll talk to you all this Friday. Take care. up to the decision makers they don't necessarily know how to feel about London oh come on we're not telling you guys anything you don't know they think this is kind of a hostile environment they think that sometimes you guys are a distraction They even think that you guys try to take over the show. You see that? You see that? They don't know what they're talking about. You are the voice 
You are the heartbeat. You are not trying to take over the show. You are the show. So I'm here to try to bring WrestleMania to London. Struck a nerve on that one, didn't I? I'm here right now, not for one more match. I'm here because I know when they play those trumpets, people watch and people listen. And right now, I want to give something to an audience I love. I want to give them a chance to tell the world, to tell the people who make decisions what we already know. Take a moment right now. Let him see. Let him feel. Let him hear what WrestleMania is going to sound like in London. Never mind the fact that it's supposed to be summer. The last few days have been cold, rainy. I've got to wear a hoodie everywhere. If WrestleMania's going overseas, it needs to be somewhere beautiful. Good weather. Nice beaches. Good looking girls in bikinis. I think if WrestleMania's going to go international, it needs to go somewhere like Australia. That the best you got? I thought you guys had banner. Ready? I can see it now. WrestleMania Australia. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Hey, hey, hey. Nobody says no to the Grayson Waller effect. Say again. No one says no to the Grayson Waller effect. How about can I enjoy some time with my friends? And before you came out here, my friends and I were trying to let the world know that WrestleMania needs to come to London! Oh, Waller from behind! And what was John saying about respect a little bit ago? Uh, you don't turn your back on a rat like Grayson Waller. The Waller ambushing Cena. down and talk about a buzzkill. Oh! <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> so much for the Grayson Waller effect. <laughs> 